Welcome to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talked to Jim Sabota, who is the CEO of the Canadian Garrison of the 501st Legion. Sandwiched between May Day and Cinco de Mayo in the first week of May is Star Wars Day, May the 4th. It's a portmanteau, which is a word you don't get to use every day. It's taken from May the Force Be With You, a kind of blessing that characters use in the movies. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with you. May the Fourth. Now, Star Wars is more than a good time at the movies for some people, and you could even argue that some people have made it a lifestyle. But we're not just talking about super fans here. What drives someone to spend hours studying pictures and videos frame by frame to figure out how to make the most movie-accurate Stormtrooper costume? Well, we're going to find out, because that's the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. Now, you've probably seen members of the 501st Legion out and about, I mean in costume. If you've been to Fan Expo or one of those type of events, or have gone to a special movie screening or some other special event involving Star Wars, the members of the 501st Legion are usually there waving their proverbial flag. You can call it cosplay if you want, but that's actually too simplistic a term in this case, and that's because of the 501st standards. Their costumes aren't just sorta accurate. They are screen accurate. And if you're going to be an official member of the 501st Legion, you have to measure up. Now, it's not a contest. The community is very welcoming and helpful if you want to join up. But the point is that these people take their fandom seriously. The 501st Legion was started by Albin Johnson and Tom Cruise, not that one, in 1997, which was not coincidentally the 20th anniversary of the movie, the year that the theatrical re-release of the special edition versions happened, and it was also the year that Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, the first prequel movie, went into production. In the 25 years since then, the 501st has more than 4,000 members, and their garrisons stretch from across the United States to around the world, and that includes the Canadian garrison, which launched in 1999 and has over 200 active members. They dress as all kinds of Star Wars characters, from specific ones like Darth Vader or Boba Fett, and to just about every variety of Stormtrooper you've ever seen in a Star Wars movie. They show up at local charity events, fundraisers, movie premieres, parades, promotional events, and conventions, and as you can imagine, May the 4th is basically their Christmas. So, we were fortunate enough to book Jim Sabata earlier for this week's episode of the Guelph Politicast. Sabota will tell us about his life in the 501st Legion, how he got involved in the organization, and what he finds appealing about dressing up as a stormtrooper. We also talk about the difficulty level making movie-accurate Star Wars costumes, how various members choose the costumes they make, and what happens if there are, say, two people that want to be Darth Vader, or some other one-off character. And finally, we will discuss what type of event Sabota would like to do that he hasn't done yet, his favorite Star Wars movie or series, and what he and the crew are going to be doing this May the 4th. So I caught up with Jim Sabota late last week via Zoom. Jim Sabota, thank you so much for hopping on with me today. My pleasure. Thank you. 
to begin with, uh, I'll, I'll let you describe in your own words um, what the 501st Legion is and, and what it does. And if people have you know maybe heard of you or just have seen um, the Legion show up at a, an event they're at and have wondered who are all these guys and dressed as stormtroopers. <laughs> sure. So the 501st is a worldwide uh, Star Wars costuming group that was started back in 1997 by Alvin Johnson, who is our founder. And basically we're a group that promotes uh, interest in Star Wars. And we also you know, facilitate the use of costumes. We do a lot of costuming, but one of our biggest things that we want to contribute. So we work with a lot of charities and, and do events for libraries and a lot of things because we want to give back to uh, society. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess aside from a love of, the the movies and and the franchise generally just you know what is it about dressing up as a like like a star wars character and i mean because it's i guess maybe it's there in the title and maybe we can talk about that but you know legion uh stormtroopers you know you have 20 30 guys dressed up like various stormtroopers i guess what is kind of the feeling there of, you know, getting together with other guys and you're all dressed up as stormtroopers and you're all kind of basking in this love for this, for this one thing. What's the feeling behind that? Um, I, I guess it's a, a feeling of giving back to people. Like, you know, we have such an intense love for star Wars and, and you know, we've taken it to the next level. We have your fans and then there's us. Uh, <laughs> we have a saying in the Legion, some people collect action figures. Some people are action figures. And, and that's it. And it's, it's not so much like the, the power behind it, but it's the feeling of when you see that, that little kid that comes up and you see them, they're, they're practically vibrating. They're so excited to see you and they come up and you've made their day. And, uh, uh, you know, fans of all ages, you know, you have people come up that are, are older than me and that, you know, and I'm, pretty old because i saw it in the theater originally <laughs> so they're you know they're excited to see it and we're happy to to be part of that excitement and to give it back to the fans because one of the hallmarks of the legion is that our costumes are screen accurate mm-hmm. uh, we, are, we are held to a very high standard because there are times where uh, lucasfilm will want to check on us and maybe even have us participate in something so, uh, you know, we have to have that accuracy. And when people see that, they just, they love it. And, and, and we enjoy being a part of that. That's an interesting part of this too. And, and it, just hearing you talk made me think there are companies that have their, their valuable characters, let's say, who are very, very stingy about like fan reproductions and and how they are used outside the the tight corporate control but lucasfilm despite the the sheer dollar value of what star wars is worth has has always been very open and sort of uh good with fans who who want to honor the movies and honor the characters and and good at there's a good back and forth there oh absolutely and we have a great relationship with lucasfilm ourselves um they you know we are there to promote Star Wars, and they know that, and we put on the best face possible. And uh, we, we keep in touch with them. I was uh, just keeping in touch with our, our representative because 
whenever we do something like, for example, we built a new set recently that we just debuted at Toronto Comic Con. It's like a Mandalorian style set. And we let them know because first off, we want them to know if they see something online in pictures, they want to, we want them to know what we're doing. But in addition to which, they may want that set. Um, I'll give you an example. Back in uh, 2019, we went down to Celebration in Chicago. We were requested through Lucasfilm and there to attend with our sets. And so we set up uh, our sets, which we had like a Jabba or a uh, uh, Death Star walls and an Emperor's Throne and, and people were lining up to see it. And it was amazing. And that added again to the excitement of the event. And it was great to be able to participate in it. Mm -hmm. Is there kind of like a, maybe because there are so many different, 501st chapters is there kind of like a bit of a status thing it's like lucasfilm taps you for for like official appearances <laughs> i don't know about that um and i can give you a little background about that about sure. some um the canadian garrison which i'm the the ceo of was started back in 1999 we're gonna have our 25th anniversary next year and it was canada wide and then what happened with that is then as groups got bigger, they became squads and then squads get big enough to become their own garrisons. So now we have garrisons across uh, Canada and our group has kind of gotten smaller because, you know, geographically we're, we're small. In Canada, we work together. We're, we're very aligned and everything. And even with some of the folks down in the States, we, we all try and, uh, you know, Get, keep in touch with everybody and, and people come up to see us occasionally. We have friends uh, from Garrison's in Texas, or uh, we have a lot of friends across in Rochester, uh, New York, uh, mm. Garrison Excelsior. And I wouldn't say it's so much a competition, but it's more of a, you know, a, you know, a group thing. You know, we, we, it's, it's like a family because uh, everybody is so happy to see each other, especially at events like celebration where you see people, from across the globe, I have friends from Australia and uh, friends from over in Europe and, of course, across the States. So it, it, it's, it's a great group. And like I said, like a family, we try and uh, help each other out whenever we can. I imagine some of that uh, camaraderie was, has been a bit hard the last couple of years. Yeah, COVID made things really hard. Uh, I actually started in right in the midst of COVID. And... Um, it was hard to keep people motivated and everything, but we, we did a lot of virtual things. We did uh, Zoom chats like we're doing. Uh, we tried to do things for sick kids where we would do videos or other things. And as things got better and we were able to open up, you know, people started coming back and, and it's, it's taken time. Uh, but now we're getting events all over the place. May the 4th is going to be crazy. We've got so many events that people are requesting. And, uh, you know, our members are coming back. Some take a little more time because they're a little hesitant, but a lot of people are, are ready and, you know, willing to get their costumes on and say, okay, let's do this. I realize not all Star Wars characters come with masks, but I, I, I figured that would be a, a selling point for some of these in-person events post-COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it's, it was kind of a, a hard thing because when we did some of our first events, you know, we do have to wear our masks and we had to prove that we were ma wearing masks under the masks <laughs> because there were still mask mandates. And it's, uh, it's tough, but you, you do what you can. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I want to talk a bit about it. Maybe you can use yourself as an example in all this, but, you know, for people who, you know, want to get involved, and I think you've, you've made it very clear that, um, 
there are actually some pretty high standards to to be a, f- a formal member of the garrison. So can you talk a bit of just like how people get involved and um, how they sort of, you know, develop and, and become part of, of the garrison and, and how, you know, I guess, again, maybe using yourself as, as an example about, you know, how one uh, becomes a formal member of the Legion. Sure. So in my case, I first met the, the group when I went to, uh, Toronto Comic-Con, and I started kind of hanging out, helping them around the set. Um, and that's a way a lot of people come to see us is they will, you know, introduce themselves and talk to us at events and everything. But the way people outside, if they're interested, can do it is they go to 501st.com. That's the main site. And then there's a site on there that says how to get started. And it gives you all the background of what you would need to do. And it gives some uh, information about the costuming and uh, the aspects of of what we do and how we do it and how to get in touch. And as you said, Adam, it is a a very daunting task for for people because they say, oh, these costumes are like, you know, screen accurate. How do we do that? Everybody's willing to help. We have um, our own Facebook site called the Tantive 4 Boarding Party. And that's our local one where people can join and say, hey, I'm an aspiring TK. What can I do? And on the Legion level, the costumes are actually uh, divided up into what are called detachments, which are different categories. So there's like the 1st Imperial Stormtrooper Trooper Division, which is stormtroopers, the officers corps, uh, the clone corps. And each of those detachments have uh, step-by-step helps and, and people who do their own build threads. There's you know, thousands of people have gone through this and everybody is willing to help. But one of the first things I would recommend for anybody who's interested is don't feel like you have to jump in with both feet. You know, I was crazy. I jumped in and I did a stormtrooper. That was, <laughs> and that's not the easiest one to start with. But there are other costumes that are a little easier that are like soft costumes, we call them, which are ones where you just have a uniform or a jumpsuit and a pair of boots. And it's a good way to start if you want to just get your feet wet. And then if you're ready to make that next jump, then you go to the next costume and the next and the next. And in my case, 15 costumes later, you're uh, kind of mired in it. <laughs> and, and for people who are listening, uh, TK is a specific Star Wars reference when you say the, some, you're joining a TK, right? Yeah. the um, In the original A New Hope, uh, that was one of the first call signs for a stormtroopers, TK421, which is actually Alvin Johnson's number. Uh, when you join the Legion, you get a six-digit number that is yours alone. Uh, mine I picked uh, in, mem- in memory of my mother. It's her birthday. So, okay. uh, and my wife picked hers uh, as the first day we met, which is kind of unique. But the, the designations actually for each detachment, it's different. So for um, like stormtroopers, it's TK. For um, like officers, it's ID. For what we call the underworld, it's DZ. Mm-hmm. So the, the two letter is different for each detachment. And then, of course, the number stays with you for your life. Once you get that number, that is yours. No one else can take it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I had this thought as, as I was getting ready to talk to you today. You, as you said, you, you dress as a stormtrooper and um, mm-hmm. storm. No disrespect intended. Stormtroopers are a dime a dozen. That's kind of the point. <laughs> it is true. Yes, unfortunately, it's true. But you know, there are other characters um, that that people dress up as a, a the Legion who are kind of like 
there's only one Darth Vader. There's only one Boba Fett. There's only one Mandalorian. I'm curious um, how that, like how that selection process works. Like if I come to uh, the, the Legion and I've made this wonderful Mandalorian costume, uh, the, the title character Mandalorian, because I know it's mm-hmm. a whole, whole group of people too, but you know, and there's already a Mandalorian in the, in the unit. I mean, you know, what happens? <laughs> it's not a problem. Okay. We have- I'll give you an example. I, I can think of off the top of my head at least six or seven Vaders. Just out in where I live in Durham, I know of at least two. <laughs> There's no limit on the number of a character. The only thing we have to watch sometimes is if we're at an event, we try and make sure that we only have one of those characters at a time, like one Vader or one Din Djarin, which is very popular right now. I mean, you can't restrict the, the Mandalorian. There's a, a dozen of them at least. But uh, we want to make sure for the fans that we capture that moment. So we only put one of those characters. And like you said, for stormtroopers or scout troopers or officers, we're a dime a dozen. But those key characters, the Vader, the, 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 the Mandalorian, um, uh, you know, some of those other ones, uh, they're the ones that we make sure that we give the fan experience that we may have one person at a time. But we, it's always good to have more than one because if you have an event and let's say your Vader can't make it, you have to go uh-huh. through another. And we've done that before. We've had to go through a few people to make sure or a Boba Fett for that matter. <laughs> Standby Vaders. Uh, you know, when you go to like a Toronto Comic-Con or a Fan Expo or whatever, uh, I mean, you guys aren't the only ones dressed up as Star Wars. People are independently Star Wars crazy on, on their own too. Uh, any mm-hmm. mistaken identity? <laughs> occasionally f- folks come by and uh just to, to give a shout out our our sister uh, group the, the rebel legion also joins us at the big events and, and many of the other ones so they're usually right across from us whenever we set up so there's a lot of star wars characters between the two groups and we have a lot of people that do come up and, and it's exciting especially with the little kids when you see a little kid that put that effort in that you know put together let's say a cardboard stormtrooper it just gives you a thrill and we, we try and, you know, make them feel special because that takes a lot of effort. And we know that because we put the effort into our costumes too. And no matter what the person is, we, we you know, give props to them because it takes a lot to build that costume and have the, the gumption, so to speak, to go out in that costume. And that's, that's huge. And we really appreciate that. I, I do want to talk about the art of of creating costumes too, because you mentioned that uh, you you did fifteen different ones. Um, yeah. So, so you and climbed. Also, sorry, yeah. go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and one of the things that I've done that is kind of unique is also I created a costume. I, I was the it, what we have is a costume reference library. Okay. And the costume reference library is where you go to to do the different costumes. It gives you the breakdown. And one of the things I did is uh, there's a character called Hondo Onaka from Rebels. And also okay. he's do other things. I worked with a lot of people and I actually created that costume. And now my costume is the reference. So, oh. yeah. So that's, that's like above and beyond the type thing. So that's one of those things where it's even more effort. Because when you have to go by the pattern, uh, you know, when, when you have the reference and you build it, it takes a lot of work. But when you have to create it and get all the work, and again, I had a lot of talented friends that helped me 
put this thing together, uh, it, it's even harder because you have to take obscure references. In this case, it's like a cartoon and match the colors and make sure you have the right uh, look to things and does this fit properly and does that look properly. So it's even harder that way, but building a costume from the, the references alone can be very daunting too. Because sometimes some of these characters are on screen for like a minute or two, if that, and because, you know, they're not worried about giving lots of reference to, <laughs> I mean, a lot of, some of these movies were made in like 77 and in the eighties. So they weren't even thinking about, you know, what's, what people are going to look at 40 years from now for their costume <laughs> efforts. But the, um, sometimes because the character is on screen so briefly, it's hard to, to, to capture all those details. Absolutely. And we've had an instance, like I think it was in one of the, the sequel movies where there was a, uh, one of the first order officers and they couldn't get a picture of the back. Mm. And it was in, it took forever to actually get that costume approved as a, a reference because they couldn't figure it out. <laughs> and it's an evolving process too, because people, who have the time go through frame by frame and they're checking things and they say, okay, yeah, this wasn't black. This was green. So you have to change it. And in that case, it could be a little tough that if you are in the middle of doing a costume and all of a sudden you have to change something, it may take some time. But a lot of times when you have a costume and they call, they do what's called grandfathering. So for example, my tie pilot, which I did several years ago, uh, has changed. They've changed some of the, uh, things on the costume but because my costume was approved at that time it's still uh, allowed to be used right because they do change and update things as they kind of have to um i, I guess just as, as they're i mean and also the fact that they're creating more star wars product now as as well as the, the there's all the tv shows and all the movies that are coming out yeah, and, and people are able to see things in more detail because of the fact that they, you know, now with all the mod modern technology, you can go right. literally frame by frame and, and zoom in on things and, and clean them up digitally. And that way, we get better information to make the costumes even more accurate. And as we were talking, I did look up Hondo Onaka because I'm not terribly familiar with Rebels, but um, he is kind of a... I mean, it's it's an alien character, but mm -hmm. uh, there are prosthetics involved. It's not just the the suit. It's he's a, he's a, like a genuine alien. Yes, yeah. I, I have to put on a mask and uh, uh, basically uh, silicone uh, arms that actually go all the way up to here. Ah. So uh, it uh, you don't last long in Hondo. He's uh, <laughs> he's quite the character, but he's profitable. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and that's the other thing with a character like that because he is so dynamic, you actually have to play it up. Like when you're a stormtrooper, you kind of, you know, you, you, you do the standard lines sometimes, everything like that. But some of the characters like a Vader, like a Hondo, um, like a Kylo Ren, you really want to interact with, with the fans. And so it takes some practice. I drove my wife crazy for months trying to practice my Hondo Onaka <laughs> and, uh, it, I was actually inspired by Jim Cummings, the guy who does the voice, and uh, he's, uh, he's amazing. So, yeah, it, it just it depends on the costume as to, you know, what uh, level of engagement you have. It's in, 
I, I find it kind of fascinating that there is there is a kind of real there's a craft to all of this right there's the craft to making the costume but there's also the craft of like living the character you know mm-hmm. and and you know you are in there's this rule i don't know how much of it is urban legend but you know if you're a disneyland and you're playing one of the the costume characters you can't remove your hat unless you're like in this like, sort of secure area it's, it's kind of like the ultimate kind of um i don't know acting experience because you have to live it when you're out in the public there's i, I guess i'm also thinking about all those people who are you know Times square who are dressed up as characters and the the guy the robot guy who can't move all day and um mm-hmm. but you know it you really have to be committed is what I'm trying to get at. Absolutely. And and we do have a rule that when we're around the public, you're not supposed to take off your bucket or anything like that. And you remain in character. And we also have a rule that if by chance somebody comes up and wants to, let's say, do an interview with or something with you, if you are going to talk to them as yourself, you have to take off that bucket and say, you know, I'm Jim Sabota and this is what I do. So we are to remain in character because it's the expectation. Mm-hmm hmm that's again I, I find that interesting it, it's it, it is a, a full sort of method performance um so i you know one of the reasons we're talking today is may the 4th um you talked you said there's a lot of events coming up so um what's what does your thursday look like i guess <laughs> um mine is actually not too bad this year uh because i'm actually going to go out to uh, coburg to a library my wife and i are going because that's nearby the plant that i work at but a lot of people are going to different events uh, there's events in toronto uh there's events out uh, west in london area and down south and uh, there are a mix of things from everything again from libraries to uh you know th- there's a event happening in uh, toronto at uh, one of the local places so we, we try and spread ourselves out as much as possible because that is, it's, it's you know, a very popular day. It's, a, it's like a holiday. And so they want <laughs> us everywhere and we try and spread ourselves out. Uh, last year, it happened that I, my wife and I split because she went out this way and I was down at the Jays game because we were doing the Jays game that, that time for Star Wars night. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a very busy time. I didn't ask, what does your wife dress up as? Uh, she's got several costumes. Okay. Uh, she has a Jawa. She does an officer. She does a biker scout. She has a shadow scout. Um, those are the ones I could just think of offhand. <laughs> uh, so she doesn't have, isn't as crazy as me, but she has several and, and she enjoys them. Uh, you know, again, she gets to interface with, with the kids and everything. And, and, you know, some of the things we do, especially the charity aspects are the biggest ones. Um, if I, if I could tell you a quick story about yes, the, please. The, most, the most important troop I believe I've ever done. And this was about a, wasn't a year ago. We were asked to do one for uh, a Make-A-Wish. There was a child that um, unfortunately uh, was very ill, very terminally ill. And his wish was to be an honorary st- stormtrooper, but they couldn't get him down to Disney. He was supposed to go to Disney. Oh, so yeah. we were asked to come in and it was really tight we didn't know if we were going to make it but again my wife went she went as a jawa to, to help out and i went as a stormtrooper with another one we had uh, my my exo i think believe when it's vader and we had a bunch of us and we got to, to see this kid and we got to uh presented him with a, a certificate that made him an honorary stormtrooper and we gave him a, a toy blaster and i was there 
And it just, uh, to this day, to me, it was the most important troop because unfortunately soon after he, he passed, mm. but his, his parents got in touch with us and said he, you know, even though we weren't able to interface with them as much because, you know, with, with him being sick, he wasn't, you know, able to respond as much, but they could tell that he was really happy. And we made that child happy in, you know, one of the most important times and the family too. the family was thrilled and it took their mind off things because the rest of us were there with the rest of the family. because they were kind of having a party for them. Mm. And to me, that's one of the most important reasons why we do this is, you know, we, we, we help charities. We do this for the kids. We do it for sick kids. We do it for make a wish. And beyond the, the, all the, the fun we have with the star Wars and all the, uh, thrill of, of being able to uh you know make fans happy and, and and sometimes even meet you know meet star wars actors and everything this is the most important thing to me is why we do it i mean that story's so heavy um but i mean it, it speaks to even in, in times that are sort of less heavy um you don't have to be a star wars fan to get a, a laugh out of seeing you know 12 guys dressed as a stormtrooper walking down the street you know it's yeah it's, it's there's there's something i think that you know to, to get to that specific experience you're talking about it, it it's a laugh and it's you know it taps into that we all sometimes need a little fantasy in our lives and that's what star wars is it's, it's a fantasy it takes place in space mm-hmm. but it's a fantasy um just in the midst of even our own individual drudgery, it brings a smile to your face to see a crazy character and a cost, especially at the level you guys play at with the the level of detail you bring to those costumes. And there, you feel that authenticity, just, just seeing it in front of you. And that's what we're aiming to do. We're, we're here to give people a break from, from uh, their everyday's lives. And like when we do the big events, that's why we have our sets up uh, so that people can experience that and be immersed in it. Uh, they can jump on the speeder bike. They can sit in front of Jabba. They can sit in the throne and pretend they're the emperor. And <laughs> we have our stormtroopers or our royal guards beside them, so they feel like you know they're they're doing it. And um, and and we have fun with it too. Don't don't get me wrong. You know, we, we stay in character, but you know what? We have a lot of fun with the folks too because that's the point. We can't be all too serious and everything like that. We have to have fun with it, and we do. And and the fans appreciate that. Is there anything like in terms of like events that you haven't done that, you know, I, I guess, do you have a, a wish list of something you, you like a, an event or an activity that you wish you, you've been a part of as that, that would, you know, I guess would be enhanced by the Legion's presence. Have you ever, <laughs> is there anything on your bucket list as a stormtrooper? <laughs> yeah, actually there is. Um, and, and this is kind of common knowledge. So the, the Mandalorian season one, at the end of it, there was a huge battle and there were dozens of stormtroopers. Well, it turned out those stormtroopers, they, they didn't have enough actors. So Dave Filoni, who knows the 501st well, contacted the South Ca- Southern uh, California garrison. And a bunch of them showed up not knowing what they're going to be doing. And all of a sudden they were on the Mandalorian. <laughs> and so if I had a bucket list item, I guess it would be to be able to be a part of something like that. Um, I, I actually have some friends that were, 
uh, in some of these things. And uh, I've heard it's quite amazing, quite grueling because they, you know, you're acting like you're on set and they, they treat you like a, a normal uh, actor. So you have to work the long days and everything, but you get to do it. And it's amazing to see afterwards. For people who may not know, Dave Filoni is one of the the primary architects of a lot of the Star Wars TV shows. Um, so, um, I mean, it's not outside the realm of possibility. I mean, I, I realize it's a different department, but they shoot a couple of different Star Trek series in Toronto. So it's not uh, we're, it's possible. We're, yeah, we're hopeful. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, new Star Wars shows and even movies coming up and. If Lucasfilm Lovers calls, we will stand up and say, what do you need? And that's what we're here for. Maybe to wrap up, um, we've talked a lot about sort of the art of costuming and, you know, the art of creating fantasy and in our real world here. But in terms of like just the, the, the story, the franchise, the, the, the original materials, if you will, um, you mentioned seeing the original Star Wars in theaters, which, you know, not to 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 paint you into an age corner, but was f- almost 40, 45 years ago. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 so this is like something that stayed with you your whole life. Yeah. yeah. What is it about Star Wars for you? When I grew up in the 70s, and again, it's dating me, that was, you know, that was groundbreaking. We never saw anything like that before. And my brother and I saw it like 32 times. And, and that was before, you know, we had streaming and all this stuff. And so it was something unique. And then that brought on all these other things. And um, it, it had a big impact uh, on my life because it was, it, it was just something we'd never seen before. And, and then it opened up the gates to all these other blockbuster movies and all kinds of things. And uh, ironically, I'm going in about three hours with the family to see Return of the Jedi at uh, Landmark because it's only here for a few days and they've never seen it on the big screen. So it's going to be kind of going back to my childhood again. But uh, (laughs) it it was just such a a big part of it for for many of us. Without thinking about it, favorite Star Wars thing? Book, movie, whatever. Uh, A New Hope. Okay. So you're just the movie itself. That was the the first one I ever saw before it was called a new hope. (laughs) And that will always be my favorite. All right. I like that answer. Uh, Jim Sabata. I thank you so much for all your time today and uh, enjoy the fourth and uh, best of luck to a summer for a summer filled with activities for you and the rest of the Legion. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Adam. I really appreciate it. Also. Thank you. And once again, that was Jim Zaboda. To learn more about the 501st Legion, you can go to their website, 501st.ca. That's 501st.ca, but with the numbers, 501st.ca. You will be able to see the Legion in person on Thursday if you go to the Rec Room in Toronto, and that is their official Star Wars Day uh, commemoration. And then they will be at the Lego Store in Yorkdale on Friday, and then at Heroes and Cards Comics in London, and I hope I pronounce this right, New Books, but with a G, so it's G-N-U, Books, and that's in Oshawa, and both of those appearances are happening on Saturday in conjunction with Free Comic Book Day, and I guess if you're looking for something to do at home, you can watch everything Star Wars on Disney+. Plus. On the other hand, if you're looking for Free Comic Book Day stuff, that is this coming Saturday, 
at the Dragon's downtown location. And I think that's it for this edition of the Guelph Politicast. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. And to learn more about CFRU, go to CFRU.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you will get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram or send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, check out guelphpolitico.ca where we will have a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you next week and until then we'll see you next time <laughs>